Hello and welcome to Worship Matters, the podcast that deals with planning worship with and for your faith community. I'm Derek Weber, Director of Preaching Ministries at Discipleship Ministries, a general agency of the United Methodist Church located here in Nashville, Tennessee. And we developed this podcast some almost a year ago now, trying to come up with ways to help you plan worship. But then everything changed. It changed for us and it changed for you and your local church. And so our themes have changed. And so during these days of physical distancing and online worship, we have shifted our emphases and our thought process as to what might be most helpful for us to talk about as we talk about worship. We're still focused on worship. Worship still happens. We need to have that happen. So our last episode was a conversation with Diana Sanchez-Bouchong and myself talking about what we have learned about the process of opening. Diana was involved with an ecumenical group and developed the protocols for opening a, a pretty involved document. So we talked about what we had learned and what we were hearing. So I thought the best way to follow up that episode would be to talk to somebody on the ground. There's a church here in Nashville that I've been attending and enjoying quite a bit, West End United Methodist Church. And they had a target date to open. And so I invited the senior pastor of that, Carol Kevin Dillon, to come and speak to me about their thought process, what they went through in order to get to this place. So, Carol, welcome. We're glad that you're here with us today. And let's start by introducing yourself. Who are you? How long have you been at West End? Tell us a little bit something about your ministry journey. Well, thank you, Derek. It's great to see you. I'm sorry it's not in person. Miss seeing you in person on Sundays. Um, I came to West End on July 1st, 2017. So that means um, if I'm doing the math right, I'm starting my fourth year there at West End after serving as the senior pastor at a church in a suburb of Nashville, Franklin, um, for several years. And West End is a... um, congregation. We're right across the street from Vanderbilt University. It used to be considered midtown, but with every day, it seems we're closer and closer to downtown Nashville with all the building and construction going on. And we're feeling like much more of an urban environment. So how, how do you describe West End to the people who ask about your church? West End has a wonderful history in the city of Nashville. Um, it's It's a church that I can look out and I can see the pew right now. There's a family that has four generations represented on one of the pews. And at the same time, we have all sorts of new people who are moving into Nashville, lots of babies being baptized. Um, We're a congregation that strives to be inclusive of of all people and uh, making that part of the forefront of our mission and ministry in, in the city of Nashville and beyond. Um, so we are working, we have a like an advocacy committee. There's an understanding of, of our role to be a voice in Nashville for the vulnerable and the poor and the left out. Um, it's just, it's a really exciting, vital congregation to be part of. There seems to be people involved in all kinds of things, both in the city and, and then even beyond, certainly in Vanderbilt and, and other uh, academic institutions around or people real connected uh, from West End. Mm -hmm. That's been my experience. It's just a wonderfully gifted and um, outwardly focused congregation. Mm -hmm. That's always good to see. 
predominantly traditional worship. Um, yes, um, I should have said that first. I think that's one of the gifts that we can offer in our Methodist connection mm-hmm. is that um, we have a, a sort of high liturgical style of worship, um, and that's something that we can do well and, and offer, uh, not the only way to worship by any stretch, um, but it's a, a place where people can come. And we find that there are people who are drawn to the liturgical, traditional worship, stained glass windows, choir processing in robes down the center of the aisle, um, and also uh, a spirit of social activism and um, all, both of those in combination are an exciting thing. Yeah, I, th- I was just thinking the other day that one of the things I miss most is having the choir process down the aisle that you mentioned that. There's just something grand about that worship beginning that way. So It wasn't until I went to West End I learned what an Ebenezer was. We have oh, these you, yeah. floral <laughs> Ebenezers. They're like these 10-foot-tall poles on Easter Sunday, and they have flowers all over them, and the choir processes in with them in there. I don't know if that's the right term, but that's what we call them at West End is Ebenezers, <laughs> and they're just stunning. I think that fits that fits the traditional definition. So, so now when when we shifted, when everything shut down and we had to go online, you were prepared in some ways, maybe more than some other churches were, because you already had an online presence. Is that correct? Right. right. So right before I started at West End, they had done some renovations and they equipped the sanctuary with cameras and things for live streaming, and so they had already started that um, live streaming every Sunday. Okay. And, and I do remember early on that you would always acknowledge that audience um, when, when you did your welcome and, you, and the announcements at the beginning. But, but how much of your thinking as to what you were planning and doing was focused on the live stream before all of this? Yeah, actually, I, um, I was probably there a couple of years before someone pointed out, um, you know, we do have people who join us by live stream, maybe we should start greeting them. So that was a learning for me. Okay. Um, and so I started doing that more intentionally. And I have some church, we have some church members who can't come to worship because right. of various reasons. And we correspond pretty regularly. And I learned from them how much it means to them to be seen and greeted and, and named in worship. But I have to say until this COVID started, I still, in my mind, and I'm embarrassed to confess this, but I sort of thought of the live stream as people who are watching worship. Mm. Um, And that's been one of the greatest learnings of this whole process is that it's worship. People are participating in worship. And um, as I began to think about it that way, it just took on a whole new life and meaning um, for me. So, uh, so how do you feel uh, your own personal style and, and the design of worship has evolved over these past couple of months when you've been online? And I see a difference as I watch and, and worship online. I, I said watch. I didn't mean watch. As I participate <laughs> online. Right. Um, but but wh- I'm sure it was intentional on your part. But, but how did you evolve in that process to online worship? I think... Um... One of the parts was the first couple of Sundays definitely were awkward. And mm. I felt, you know, in the preaching moment, I don't use notes. And 
so I'm, I'm present in a way um, that I'm kind of getting the zone, you know, and I'm preaching. And then with COVID, there was a, there was a whole, as we say in the South, a whole nother level (laughs) that I had to be thinking about, like, which camera should I look at? Am Mm. I, where do I look? And um, this is an empty sanctuary. It, it, It feels like, nobody's here. Everybody who's present is actually behind me in the choir loft. Um, So we have someone who does the camera work every week and he coached me a little bit on, you know, if you look at one of the cameras, we have three of them linger a little longer and I'll follow you. And, um, and then I watched the worship service um, myself just to get a sense of what Mm -hmm. it looked like. And then as people began sending me emails or I would look at the comment section on Facebook or live stream and realize how interactive it was and people were responding to each other and um, Mm. to the anthems and um, passing the peace to each other. I felt those relationships come alive again. Mm -hmm. And um, people have sent me pictures of their children and grandchildren sitting close to the screen for the children's moment. and that things like that just help me feel the people there um, mm-hmm. with me and with all of us who are in the sanctuary. And you've also incorporated other people. You've got little little video clips of people passing the peace or or reading the scripture. That's one thing I've really appreciated is you've got somebody outside of the chancel area doing the doing the scripture. Yes, that was um, again kind of adapting as we went along. We heard mm-hmm. the idea about the passing of the peace from another church and so invited people to send in videos of themselves saying the peace of Christ be with you so people could see each other's faces. Mm-hmm. And then we usually have a lay person read scripture. And um, I think it's a nice addition for people to be able to see other people in their homes, because that's mm-hmm. what we're seeing all day on zoom. That's right. These images of people sitting in their homes. So it kind of brings that into the worship experience. It's also interesting how many of them dress up for the occasion. You see, yeah. see they're wearing their Sunday clothes to read the scripture from their homes, which is, <laughs> I enjoy right. that. You've got to have some reason to get, you know, to dress <laughs> That's up. That's true. Every now and then, got lots of clothes I haven't worn for months. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I brought you here expressly, as I said in the introduction, uh, because you had advertised the date that you were going to come back to in-person worship and even posted that on your website. Um, and so I wanted to hear from you, your, your process, your thinking and, and what led you to the date and the date, as I recall, is, is a little over three weeks away. So, um, where are you now with that? And, and tell me a little bit about how you got there. Okay. Well, as of yesterday, we made the decision not to reopen on August 9th. I'll walk you through a little bit of the, how we got to that date and then why we, why we changed um, so our bishop, Bill McAlilly, the Tennessee Conference, um, very wisely and helpfully uh, communicated with the churches of the Tennessee Conference to please worship online only. And he would he would send out emails and initially, I can't even remember the dates anymore because I've lost all track of time. But I think the first one was, you know, through Easter and then it was extended. And then the last one was through June 21st or up until June 21st, Mm. all the churches in the Tennessee conference are urged uh, not to worship in person. And so some churches opened right after that, but West End is 
a large congregation. We have um, a lot of older folks. And um, so we put together a um, task force for reopening made up of members of the church who are health professionals. Um, we have one of the women is the director of nursing at Vanderbilt Hospital. We have an epidemiologist at Centennial Hospital. So these are folks who I feel are on the cutting edge of knowledge right now in our community. And so we met a couple of times and we're talking through um, once we set a date to reopen, what are the protocols we need in place? And so um, together, after a couple of meetings, we decided August 9th was um, a reasonable date to begin reopening. So we measured the square footage in our sanctuary, figured out we could have 50 individuals or 50-ish households um, spread out, and we've taped off the pews, and we were talking about traffic flow, what doors people could come in and out of, um, that we would require masks, um, no, we would have hand sanitizer, all the, you know, protocols that mm -hmm. a lot of uh, places and businesses are working through. Then we tried, we wanted to pull together a team of people, of volunteers, who would be willing to be present on Sunday morning um, to manage traffic flow and to help people find their seats and that sort of thing. Um, we had a training this past Sunday for those people. And um, one of the in things person that or online in person, only in eight person. of them could be there. Um, okay. And that included some staff members who were there. So it was a very small group, mm -hmm. which raised some concerns and, and revealed the reality, I think of where mm -hmm. we are. Um, oh, I should say also, we did a survey. I think a lot of churches did a survey. Um, the kinds of questions like if we were to reopen, how soon would you come back? And we had about a third of the respondents. We had a little over 300 people respond. About a third of them said they would come back as soon as possible. But two thirds said not. So we, we took all these steps with the help of the task force all along the way, working through and thinking through those details. And we were only talking about Sunday morning worship. What we decided to do was to keep our 845 service online only because we can have four singers. We, we have four singers in live stream worship mm -hmm. and we can have hymns and the full experience of worship where we're all live stream all online together. And then we were talking about doing an 11 o'clock service that was in person. And it was still up in the air whether we could sing hymns or not. But I um, thought initially that if everybody's wearing masks, we probably could. So that's the direction we were heading. And then about a week and a half, two weeks ago, um, we all saw the numbers going up rapidly. Um, Nashville had gone into phase three, which meant the opening of further opening of restaurants and um entertainment facilities, bars and things. And um, the numbers were skyrocketing everywhere. And so we decided we needed to reevaluate um, because Nashville went back into phase two. And um, so I talked with the task force this week and we all were unanimous in our feeling that we needed to postpone. We, we would not be ready to reopen on August 9th. And some of that too was um, seeing 
the training on Sunday, the fact that we didn't have very many people who felt comfortable in that role of ushering, and that a couple of the folks that we did have were probably in a more at-risk category. And I've had some emails from church members who are in their 70s and 80s who are ready to come back, and um, I worry about that, you know, because we don't want to tell people you can't come to church um, for any reason. So um, being mindful of people's health and safety and what is the wisest thing to do. So we just made that pivot this week. Um, okay. And there's an email going out tomorrow with that, that okay. news. And you have no new date that you've chosen. You're just going to wait for Nashville to make their decisions and then also to make some other assessments before you publicize a new date, correct? Right. Right. It's, it's hard. We had a staff meeting yesterday trying to plan for the fall and with this kind of uncertainty and how do you plan children's ministries? <laughs> you know, how do you yeah. uh, make some of these plans? So, um, well, two, two questions about numbers. Um, the first question was, I saw something when you originally were planning to open, you were going to do a reservation process, correct? Okay. So that was a, the, the text that you, you could text in and, and reserve your spot so that you would only, that would help you control that. Is that correct? Right. Okay. The, the other question then is about what you're using to assess the online presence. You know, are you, um, I know you do a live stream through Vimeo, but you also, you're also on Facebook. Yeah. Um, and so are, are there counts that are there and how are the counts doing? I've noticed some churches have reported there was a sag. <laughs> of course, it's norm, the normal summer sag, you might say, uh, for some, but, but others felt like it was Zoom fatigue or, you know, online fatigue and all that kind of stuff. What are you seeing about West End? We are seeing, um, our numbers grow, actually. They've, they've gone down a little bit in the summer, but we have uh, more people watching online than we had in person on Sunday mornings on average. Um, some of what I see happening are people send the link to their parents or relatives who live in other places. I've gotten emails from people in Alaska. Um, we have a man joining us in Bible study who lives in Syracuse. Um, Colorado, you know, I go to a small church that's not live streaming and someone told me about your church. I think one of the things that West End offers in the live stream experience is this feeling like you are transported to a sanctuary. I think because right. we are fortunate enough to have the stained glass windows and this space that feels like a very traditional sanctuary. Um, it's really a gift in this kind of uh, season. Yeah, I've, I've noticed that, you know, you hate simple divisions, but I've noticed, you know, two main thrusts with the online worship. One is, one is let's make it as informal and personable and people sit in their living rooms and they do worship from their couches and all that sort of stuff. And then there are others like West End that, that tries to maintain that feel of the sanctuary. So we see the pictures and and we get the camera work on the stained glass and the uh, communion table and uh, the flowers and all that kind of stuff and it moves around. And, and I think you're right. I think that that is a, a gift that brings people into that presence. Uh, and so you, in one sense, you're still doing the same thing you've always done. Right. 
at, at West End, you haven't stopped or changed dramatically, except for now you're, as you said, looking at a camera instead of a sanctuary full of people. One of, one of the things we discovered here at uh, Discipleship Ministries uh, in some of the research that we've done is that there are a number of churches, primarily small churches or rural churches, churches disconnected that don't have the facilities. And there are as many, depending on which survey you look at, as much as 16% of the churches that are doing nothing. Mm. You know, they just, in a sense, closed down completely. Yeah. And so that's why people are finding churches like West End, you know, able to do that and, and being able to plug into that. So you are providing a service. So I was going to ask, in this process, what other resources have you used or what have you shared with other churches as you're working your stuff out? Have you been in partnership? You you mentioned the bishop who, who talked to all the churches together, you know, are are you with some other churches and talking about this? Or are you kind of doing your own thing at mm-hmm. this point? Uh, I'm in conversation with a lot of different churches and pastors. Um, I've had a couple of conversations with pastors in the annual conference, in our annual conference, um, just to touch base, A, how are you doing? And B, mm-hmm. what are you doing? Um, and it's been fun to hear the different innovative things that people are doing. I'm part of a um West End is part of a project that Lily funded through Belmont University and the Center for Healthy Churches called Project Thrive. And there are 19, I think it's 19, congregations in the urban core of Nashville. Um, And this was all put together before COVID, but um, we're spending the next five years together and um, learning and honing our mission and all of that. And so we've been meeting First, it was every week, and then it was every other week, and processing um, how we're navigating mm-hmm. uh, and what the dif- what different churches are doing. I just sat in on a webinar this morning um, with some of those conversations, and uh, different people on the staff are participating in different conversations, talking with other youth pastors or um, discipleship pastors or congregational care. How are people mm-hmm. caring for their mm-hmm. congregation? That sort of thing. That, that's a big issue, you know, in one sense, worship, which is our field, is uh, is important. But how do we care for people at a distance is, is one of those issues that we're, everybody's wrestling with a little bit. Yeah. So you've also had a relationship with, um, I'm trying to remember the names of the church. Gordon is one, a um, mm-hmm. couple of African-American Clark. churches. Mm-hmm. Clark is the other. Uh, are you maintaining that or still working with them in, in different ways? Yes, actually, the senior pastor at Gordon Memorial and I are good friends, and she and her congregation are also part of this Project Thrive group, so I see her in those conversations. Um, We actually, she called me shortly after um, the video of George Floyd came out and the protests began um, to see if I would be willing to participate with her and some other pastors uh, and our congregations in a online prayer vigil. Um, so we shared in a service of, of prayer um, together, and that was a beautiful collaboration. And we are continuing to, we've talked about um, in the past, again, before COVID, doing some um, a pulpit swap, um, mm-hmm. choir swap, some of those things. So uh, we're going to be talking about how we might be able to do that in this environment. Yeah. 
Well, which brings me back then to this environment. As you think about the future, and someday we will open, <laughs> someday we will be back together. Right. Um, but, but what do you see happening with the online presence even after we fully open and, and you know, the vaccine is out and everybody feels more comfortable? Will that continue? Um, will you have a special slot for that or, or will it just be part of a larger picture? What, what are you envisioning for, for that role when you go forward? I think this whole experience has opened up the awareness of um, an online community and a need for not just participating in worship online, but connecting um, and, and pastoral care for people. I, I was going to say earlier, we have 13 people joining the church this Sunday and a few of them have never been in the sanctuary at West End. <laughs> That's exciting. So what does it look like? All of them live here in Nashville, and they're planning to get connected once we mm -hmm. reopen in person. Um, but does that mean that at some point down the road, there might be someone who lives in Alaska who wants to be a member at West End? <laughs> and, yeah. you know, um, I've always had a huge bias toward in-person, relational, the community gathered, and mm -hmm. there is something in that we can never replace. And at the same time, what does this virtual world open up for us? I've, I was part of a sitting in on a webinar with um, United Methodist pastors from across the country talking about this. And honestly, I can't remember which webinar it was because I've sat in so many of them at this <laughs> yeah, point. But they said, uh, they mentioned how First, John Wesley didn't want to preach out in the open, mm. and he decided to make himself more vile, was how That's he put right. it, yeah, and to preach did. outdoors. And yeah. I think there's been a sense from many of us that, oh, online, that's just, that's not real worship, or that's, you know, but, um, but it is. And so what does that mean for the future and how we do both, how we devote staff time uh, to both? kinds of community so i've heard from a number of pastors who are discovering that and and back to the numbers that there are people that they have never seen in their church that are tuning in and and want some sort of connection so let's let's figure out how to make that happen I, we haven't talked about and i you know don't want to open the can of worms with the whole online communion i i know that west end has has gone forward with that and the first Sunday of each month you you do that um, but that's one of those areas where there's a whole lot of debate about what's real yeah. and what's not real you know what does presence mean and and do you have to be physically present in order to have the presence of God all of those kinds of questions I don't think we've answered them all I think we're still wrestling as the church as we go forward with that mm -hmm. um, it's interesting one of the church members we have who can't come to worship in person at least a year ago um, came to my office with some bread a lot of bread and a lot of juice and she said can we pray over this together so that when y'all have communion in church I can at least feel like I'm kind of part of it and so we got a couple of people together um, and mm -hmm. prayed over it together and I mean, who would have thought that a year later, our bishop would authorize us to right. yeah. consecrate communion and share it virtually? And I don't know what will happen when, when we can go back in person. What that means for the online worshiping community? Are they now 
not having communion or are right. they? Yeah. <laughs> I, know. I, know. <laughs> I don't have any answers. <laughs> I don't either. I don't either. But I've also seen over the years people physically present who aren't present. <laughs> so yeah. so right. I think people who are not physically present can really be present. I, I don't know. I, like you right. say, it's, it's pretty complicated. But it's an exciting time and and it is time for the church to be the church. And and that's what I wanted to say to you, Carol, inviting you to come and have this conversation is I see West End still being the church. And I appreciate that. And I'm glad to be even connected a small way with, with what you are doing. I appreciate you taking the time to come and talk with us today. Um, and and want to wish you well as, as you go forward with that um, and look forward to the announcement that you're not going to open but you will someday. That's, that's right. That's <laughs> well, thank you so much for the invitation and for the good work that, that you all are doing to keep the church and the churches connected. Appreciate it very much. We hope is happening. So God bless you. Well, we want to say thank you to those who've been listening in today. We hope it's been helpful to you and, and you can engage in your conversations about the future, what the future has for you. And remember, as always, you can find more information at our website, umcdiscipleship.org. So until next time, we'll be praying for you and with you and your congregation. May God continue to bless your worship ministry as you continue to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. This podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.